The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance on News Talk. It'll be extremely difficult. Um, I mean, if you look at the past, um, families were big. Um, and it could have been four, five, six children or more in a family. Um, so that on its own produced more vocations. Now families are maybe two and um, shrinking because families are getting smaller and smaller. There's far more opportunities in life than there was in the past because being a priest or indeed a nun gave you a lot of social status and that's all pretty much gone now. Uh, in fact, it's the opposite in many cases that you get no status at all from it because of the scandals. Um, so that's the second problem. Um, a third one, I think, is um, Ireland tends to go from one end of the pendulum swing to the other and things like this. So there was a time when there was actually, objectively speaking, far too many people becoming priests and nuns and a lot of them weren't suited to it. And we saw all kinds of consequences to that. I'm not, I'm not just talking about the abuse scandals. Uh, if you're not suited to a life and you were kind of forced in there by your parents in order to keep them happy, well, you're not going to do well in that, are you? And therefore, there was kind of bad models of priests and nuns being held up to people. Yeah. Um, but now we've gone... And by the way, I mean, there's obviously plenty of good priests and nuns as well, so we've got to be careful to say that. Uh, but no, now we've gone to the other... Hmm? Yeah, we're gone to the other extreme, aren't yeah. we? Where the people who are becoming priests now are the most and I don't want to offend here, the most doctrinally pure. Um, and they're, they're, they are, would it be right to say they're not representative of the wider church community, which is a, a whole a mix and gather of society? Well, some of them are, some of them aren't. I mean, you, you can have that problem. Um, I mean, you can have all kinds of issues. You can have priests who are going to be, you know, these young seminarians who might be too strict. You might get others at the other end of the spectrum who are kind of like, ultra kind of permissive and kind of doctrinal issues because you've got that too and then you've got the ones in between. Um, I'm not sure what the current mix of seminarians is between those to be honest but you do certainly have kind of that type uh, across those kind of uh, variations which I mentioned but the big problem is um, there's simply so few. Uh, there's only about 20 seminarians currently in the National Seminary, uh, St. Patrick's College, Maynooth. And remember, there's 26 dioceses in the country. And you've got so 20 in training in St. Patrick's. And so you might get three or four a year being ordained across 26, um, 26 dioceses. So does dioceses go year to year without any ordinations at all? And by the way, Ireland, um, even in Western terms, so obviously across the Western world, families have got smaller um, uh, and secularization has taken place. But mm. Ireland is particularly bad. Um, there's parts of America and vocations are doing fine. But uh, is that, is that <clears throat> down, David, to effectively what the church did to itself with the scandals that befell it uh, and how they handled them and how people just got annoyed with the Catholic Church in Ireland and its hierarchy. I mean, some of the responsibility has to be on the shoulders of that hierarchy. Oh, there's no question about that. I mean, that is a big part of it. But you see, the scandals have taken place in other countries too. So there was big ones in the United States. Um, but they're still doing better on vocations by a considerable distance than we are. And Britain is doing somewhat better than we are. And they also had scandals. Um, uh, but not, not, the scandals were lessened there because not every, well, not 92% of people were Catholic. No, I accept that all right, yeah. Um, but another thing is, um, <coughs> excuse me, Ireland, uh, the church here was extremely, is extremely parish-based. And in countries like Spain and Italy and France and Portugal, like recently there was World Youth Day, 
uh, which Pope Francis attended in Lisbon. There was one and a half million young people at that final mass. I mean, that's an enormous number of people. It was the biggest um, youth event of the summer. I mean, it, it beat any concert that's going to be anywhere, including Taylor Swift concerts, in terms of the number who appeared. And a lot of those young people were coming out of youth movements like Focolare or Communion and Liberation or whatever. And a lot of the vocations being produced in those European countries are coming out of those youth groups because what happens is a young person who has a commitment to the faith meets other young people with a similar mm. commitment to the faith instead of going to mass okay. where it's all old people. Yeah, and, and, and I suppose that is something that's off-putting in its own right. Simon Lewis is with us. He's the principal of uh, the Carlo Educate Together National School. So coming at this from, um, I, I, I'm, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but a more secular approach, Simon, would that be fair to say? Um, sure, I, I, I guess so. And I, like, I, I don't disagree with anything that David uh, has been saying. Uh, but and and I, 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 I suppose just for your listeners, I, I come from a, a minority background, I come from a Jewish background, and I was raised Jewish. And um, it's a community in Ireland, I suppose, that has gone, to, it has gone through uh, a similar journey that the Catholic Church seems to be going through, and that there's quite a large, well, relatively speaking, community in maybe the 1950s, 1960s, and declined over time uh, to a point that, uh, and you might remember in 2016, the court Jewish community's only synagogue had to close down because there just weren't enough people supporting it. So I suppose what I, I suppose where I'm coming from, in a way, is that I, uh, the Catholic Church, you know, obviously has had its its, its awful um, past in terms of uh, recent past, but I think uh, uh, more so than that, um, I, I, what I see, what I'm seeing, uh, and particularly from a from a school's perspective, is uh, families um, maybe using the Catholic Church as a service rather than it being a community. And I think maybe any community that wants to survive needs to have people going to leadership positions and needs to be uh, and needs to, uh, you know. Uh, understand that if they can't get the leaders in the communities, well, they're going to have to think mm. of something else. So that's either change and adapt or downsize uh, to to essentially have uh, the, uh, the communities surviving. We, we, they, they can't simply continue with the same numbers um, if you know people aren't going to support that community and just use it yeah, as I, basically I, a service. I think you, you, you were the person who coined the phrase bouncy, bouncy castle Catholics, uh, referring as opposed to people who go for the key sacraments. You get baptised maybe, uh, communion you'll go along with, uh, confirmation you'll go along with, uh, and uh, fingers crossed, uh, just doubling your bets, uh, that there would be a priest who'd do your funeral. But in the bit in between, uh, you'd, kind of, you'd kind of ignore. Um, and I, I suppose that reflects an awful lot of people who are listening right now, that uh, mm. they'll go for the big stuff, but not the small stuff. Yeah, and you, you hear every year in May uh, a lot of people who are devout atheists, as I often call them, who, who send their children to make sacrament, Catholic sacraments, like deep religious events. And I find it, uh, uh, I find it astounding. Like I, I, I'm no, no longer practicing a faith, and uh, I, I wouldn't dream of you know sending my child into school to, to you know essentially use and abuse uh, a service that we have absolutely no, we've no faith in. And I find it kind of funny how that's allowed uh, but I, I don't blame the parents themselves because I, I, I believe the church has to be you know if they want to survive and they want to become uh, continue to be relevant in our society and they should be um, then you know they, they need to they need to ask those difficult questions What? how are we enabling this sort of uh, abuse of our own community to continue every year and I, I believe that's what's happening Okay what do you mean by abuse? 
Essentially, it being used as a service rather than being a community. Yeah. That, sorry, I mean, abuse is, yeah. is a story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, that, that's words, fine. No, no, you know what I mean? That, yeah. That's what I thought you meant. I just wanted to clarify. Yeah. David Quinn, w- w- a couple of people I've spoken to in recent months around the country have said the same thing, that they, they would not be the best practising Catholics, very lapsed, uh, extremely so, uh, but would have wanted to have the communion. The kind of people, perhaps, that Simon was talking about there. And, and many of them expressed to me how they were made feel unwelcome, not in the school preparation, but in the church on the day. At things like sound and the church noise, perhaps because you had a big congregation of excited people and being made to feel unwelcome uh, because of that. None of that helps, does it? These are the regular goers, you mean? Um, so the regular, exactly. The yeah. re- so regular people who were there, not being impressed that others were there in what they would consider to be an exceptionally sacred space. Yeah, no, I mean, it can be a kind of weird and off-putting thing, all right. Uh, I mean, I've been at, um, you know, various ceremonies like First Holy Communion and Confirmation, and you might be there for either your own children or a friend's children, and the church is packed, and you just know that the people here don't believe much of this at all, and it's simply a day out, and it's not been treated as any kind of sacred occasion. Um, and it is a tricky one for priests to handle because, I mean, I think they find it pretty demoralising when they see what's happening. Uh, but at the same time, it's very, very hard to say no to people and to turn them away. My child wants to make their first Holy Communion and you're going to say, well, no, they can't because you don't come to Mass because they're baptised Catholics. So therefore, they have a right, if I can put it that way, to make their Communion or Confirmation. So, I mean, probably the only thing that you could really do uh, in those kind of situations is say, look, do you really want your child to make the First Holy Communion or Confirmation if you yourself don't really believe any of this stuff and you hardly ever come to Mass except for funerals and weddings and that kind of thing. So there may have to be a kind of conversation uh, with the school but, but, populations. But won't, won't that result, yeah, well, I mean, that, that conversation is being had, but won't mm. that result then in a core of absolute evangelist Catholics who then will do nothing to broaden that church out a bit more? So in other words, that sense of lack of welcome that I referenced mm. just becomes much bigger. Uh, and if you're if you're not saying the rosary three times a day, if you're not going to confession twice a month, if you're not seen at Mass on a Sunday, you are not part of uh, that community. Yeah, but I mean, it's not like that even now. I mean, I, mean, I obviously go to Mass each week and um, the people who are going to Mass, they're not a bunch of Holy Joes, you know, uh, and they probably go just once a week. And I doubt, I mean, you, you, you know, you get an impression from people and a vibe from people they don't give me the impression of being people who are going home saying the rosary twice a day or anything like that. I mean, they're by no means kind of militant Catholics. They're just ordinary people who've been going to Mass all their lives um, because that's what they did when they were, uh, you know, growing up. And I don't mean to be disparaging in any way the quality of faith that they have, but they're certainly not the militant type by any stretch of the imagination. Um, incidentally, like Simon was saying about his, um, you know, Jewish upbringing, I remember a number of years ago, I interviewed for the Irish Catholic newspaper when I was still the editor of that paper, the then chief rabbi of Ireland. And it was amazing to listen to him because an awful lot of, he was, of what he was saying, as Simon was saying, were very similar to what the Catholic Church faces. So you'd have a lot of um, uh, Jewish children making their bar mitzvah or bat mitzvah, which is kind of their equivalent of maybe First Holy Communion or Confirmation, the coming of age ceremony. And they would turn up to the synagogue for it and then disappear again because they wanted the big day. And it was a traditional thing to do. 
and it was the kind of a cultural Jewish yeah. thing to do. So, we, and so now, we've seen and, this and, problem. And now we've, yeah, we've no synagogues anymore. Uh, no. Because, uh, yeah, so I, I'm just, the, the concern would be for many in the Catholic Church that that's the direction it's heading. Yeah. David, we, le- we leave it there for now. Okay. David Quinn, a columnist with Sunday Independent. Happy to clarify that. Uh, and head of the Iona Institute, Simon Lewis, uh, principal of the Carla Educate Together and host of If I Were Minister for Education podcast. Gentlemen, thank you both. Uh, just some sad news that uh, has been reported in the last few minutes. Uh, the broadcaster Michael Parkinson has passed away at the age of 88. Uh, an incredible interviewer uh, up there with the likes of Gay Byrne, um, with the likes of Terry Wogan. Uh, he was just an institution across the water uh, for many, many years, seven decades of a career interviewing um, many of the biggest stars uh, in the world. Uh, His family said after a brief illness, Sir Michael Parkinson passed away peacefully at his home last night in the company of his family. The family requests that they are given time and privacy. Um, So very sad news being reported there uh, by the BBC broke that story, of course, where uh, Michael Parkinson found his home for many years. No winner yesterday, so it gets loaded again and we've stuffed more cash into it if that was possible. €40,879.21 is the amount you need to know. €40,879.21. If you want to get your hands on it, it is remarkably easy. Take note of that amount. Then you have to text the word play to 57557. That's 57557. Yeah, cost is 250 plus your standard message rate to play. You have to be over 18. You're playing across the goal out network of stations. Full terms and conditions are on the website newstalk.com. If you've entered since 5 pm on Tuesday, you're still in with a chance to win. So make sure you take note of the amount. It is 40,879 euro and 21 sent. If we ring you after three o'clock today, Barry Dunn, lovely guy, definitely lovely guy if he gives you money, um, make sure you answer within five rings uh, because if you don't, then it will roll over again and we put more money into the cash machine and the cycle continues until we win. Uh, €40,879.21. Still to come, College students in Dublin share their ordeals of trying to find accommodation before they even know if they've got a place in college. But up next, Professor Luke O'Neill on the life-changing benefits of the simple walk.